time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Thrivology Podcast, the podcast designed to help you thrive no matter what life throws your way. In the last episode, we talked about how you build self-confidence. And I'll give you a little clue. If you didn't listen to it, it's not about waiting for the confidence to arrive. It's about working from courage. Now, this week, we want to talk about self-esteem. Now, self-esteem is considered to be one of those cultural phenomenons that has basically taken over our school systems and our sporting styles with with kids as we have decided that they need to have self-esteem. In fact, in some ways, it's become a kind of a rampant industry of trying to build processes where we build kids' self-esteem so they feel good about themselves, so that they'll continue to move forward. There's one problem with that. There's not much research that shows that the way we're doing self-esteem makes a difference in the outcome for kids. In fact, there was a study done in California that took all of the studies around self-esteem and put them into a meta-analysis. A meta-analysis just means that they take all of the research that they have and they look at it to see what shows up from all of the little researches along the way. So one big research that's an umbrella for all the smaller research to figure out what's working and what's not. California, always the leading edge of thinking about uh, these psychological issues, had decided that they wanted to see how they needed to implement the self-esteem process in their schools. And so the report, which runs a, a couple of several inches thick, is filled with all of the research. And then the last little segment, maybe a quarter of the segment, was about implementation. So let me tell you about that first three quarters of the study. The first three quarters of the study showed that self-esteem has no impact in future success. Zero impact in future success. With one caveat, there was one place that showed that kids with higher self-esteem had an effect. And that was that, that juvenile delinquents, kids who had gotten in trouble in, with the law and who had, had consequences legally, had a higher than average level of self-esteem. That was it. That was the one piece that they found. Now, think about that. It didn't say that kids with higher levels of self-esteem did better at school, in sports, at home, in the future, in their job, in relationships along the way, in how much money they made. Nowhere did the self-esteem make a positive outcome difference, except for they had kids who were in trouble with a higher level of self-esteem than the general population. Now, why is that? Why would that happen if that's what we keep chasing after? Well, I believe it's because that we took the basic idea of self-esteem and kind of dumbed it down. We took the basic idea that Nathaniel Brandon presented to the world and then stripped away some very important parts. So there is the cultural uh, concept of self-esteem, which is about feeling good about the self. 
and about self-effort. In fact, any effort. And that should be good enough. So a lot of school systems begin to reward kids for even trying to write an essay, not for how they wrote the essay. And many school programs and, and many sporting programs begin to reward kids not for any performance or not for any skill, but just because they, they put in an effort. Now, let me first say, I am proud of any child who takes some effort because effort, as we talked about last week, that self-confidence uh, really is the beginning point. Being courageous enough to get out on the field and doing something, that's amazing for kids to do. The problem is we stopped short of a higher goal, and that's the real problem. So now back to California. Three quarters of their meta-study showed no effect from self-esteem, no positive effect from self-esteem. One quarter of the study then talked about how to implement a self-esteem program in every school in California. In other words, they spent three quarters of the study disproving the need to implement the program that they then spent a quarter of the, the study talking about how to implement, which tells you how deeply embedded we have become with this idea of self-esteem as being necessary and important for kids and their long-term success in spite of the evidence to the contrary. So what was it that Nathaniel Brandon was talking about? Is his idea wrong? No. We strip too many things out of it. This is his definition. He said that there are two parts to self-esteem that are very important. The first one is self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is the confidence in our abilities to cope with challenges. It's not the confidence that we got a trophy because we showed up for the sporting event, but that we can actually take on the challenges of life, coping with the challenges. We have the sense that we ourselves can make it through tough times. His second piece is self-respect, which is a place where we believe that we deserve happiness and achievement and love. Not just happiness, not feeling good about some effort, not just achievement like, well, you know, you, you wrote the paper, but achievement like we were actually doing something and that we deserve love. Those three cornerstones. So then Nathaniel Brandon broadens it out a little bit further into talking about six pillars of self-esteem. It's kind of like having a building that's supported by these six pieces. And here's the important part. We can strengthen the pillars if we know what they are. But if we think that self-esteem, feeling good about ourselves, is simply a matter of feeling good about ourselves, we find ourselves falling short. There's something else that has to be there in order to pull us forward into feeling that, that sense of, be, of feeling good about ourselves. So the first pillar that he talked about is living consciously. Living consciously is not about uh, anything about the conscience, you know, about feeling good or bad about your actions. It's living presently. When Nathaniel Brandon talked about living consciously, he was really talking, he was on the front side of the mindfulness movement in our culture, which is about being present in the present. That's how I've talked about it. You know, sometimes we get caught up in mindfulness as being this very uh, confusing thing of how do you get to mindfulness? Well, it's basically being present in this present moment, not being tripped up by uh, living in the past or in the future, but being present and aware. 
So part of self-esteem is not living forward too far or living back. That self-esteem is not being uh, always thinking about what happened yesterday or last year. What did you do wrong? What did somebody else, how did they wrong you? But how do you move forward at this moment and the next moment and the next moment as they arrive? Not playing them out too far ahead. So pillar number one, living consciously. Pillar number two, self-acceptance. This acceptance of the self is very important because it's about being compassionate with yourself. Even when you don't always admire your decisions and actions, and that's important part that Nathaniel Brandon put in there, we don't always take perfect action, right? Sometimes we can look back and say, you know, I didn't act well there. I didn't do my best there. I wasn't as nice or as kind as I could have been there. I didn't do the right thing there. But part of self-esteem is being able to give yourself a little bit of a break. Now, that's a topic that we'll come back to in the next uh, episode as we talk about self-forgiveness, because sometimes we're going to fall short. And so for Brandon, the idea was to get to this place where we could accept ourselves even when we've fallen short. And that doesn't mean we just accept that we fell short and that's the end of it, but we accept ourselves we lovingly look at ourselves at that point because there are, is pillar number three, which is self-responsibility. Now, self-responsibility is about recognizing that we ourselves are in charge of our choices, that we can't blame others for something that happens that you know, we were a part of. We can't blame others for the actions that they take that affect us or the actions they didn't take that we wanted them to take on our behalf. And we can't expect others to make us happy. In other words, Brandon was saying each one of us is responsible for our own actions, our own attitudes, and our own happiness. We are in charge of that. And according to Brandon, until we accept that, we're always going to be flailing around. We're not going to have that place of self-esteem. Self-esteem comes from the belief that we get to choose our own actions. Which brings us to pillar number four, which is about self-assertiveness. And this is the willingness to honor our needs and interests and expressing it in appropriate ways. That if we're not happy about something, we let somebody know what's causing that. That we accept that we are the ones who have to say, I need this. I need that. Sometimes this is about how we set boundaries. Remember, boundaries are what we won't let somebody do to us, what we say no to. Self-esteem is our willingness to assert those boundaries. To say, you may not treat me that way. To say, I deserve to be treated this way. So sometimes we find ourselves not being assertive enough and it impacts our self-esteem. The fifth pillar is living purposefully. And this is such an important one. What Brandon was talking about is that we have goals and we have movement towards those goals. Living purposefully means that we're looking and saying, what is important to me? What purpose do I have? Where is my sense of purpose? How can I choose to move towards that goal and find something in the movement towards that goal? And the sixth one is personal integrity. It's convictions of behavior. 
Basically, it's walking our talk. This is the one that I think often gets shuffled to the side because having that sense of integrity, that personal integrity, also impacts our sense of living with purpose. Who do you want to be most? Who is it you want to be in the world? How do you want to show up in the world? Not just that you feel good about yourself and whatever's happening around you, but that you choose your direction. And if you're not moving in the direction you need to be moving, you can change directions. Now, I want you to notice how all of these pieces fit together. Let's say that you can look back and realize that maybe you didn't take the best actions at some point along the way. And you can be haunted by that, or you can work to change that. One, by living consciously in the moment. Two, by accepting yourself that sometimes we all fall short and we can move forward from there. And one way to move forward from there is by assuming that we are responsible for doing that. It is on us. We have self-responsibility and that we need to assert ourselves when things aren't going the way we want them to because we have the goal of living purposefully and that part of that living purposefully is by living in a personal sense of integrity. No one is going to have the identical place of integrity that you have. We all have our individual thumbprint about what it means, about what honesty means, about what it means to live our best life, which is a great way for us to have different levels in our culture of where people are. We all have that thumbprint of our self-esteem. You have a different goal in your life than I do. You have a different purpose in your life than I do. You have a different way of setting your, of being assertive in the world, of finding your own place of responsibility and self-acceptance and of living consciously than I do. But we all have that within our lives. So what I want you to recognize is what one of the things that I think we've lost in Nathaniel Brandon's idea of self-esteem. He absolutely wanted us to feel good. But he linked that to something else. For him, self-esteem is about feeling good as we do good. This is about moving from our best self. And self-esteem is going to be some cheap trick about feeling good until we link it to being our best self and feeling good about living out that best self. So the question for each of us is where do we have a weak pillar? If those six pillars are what's holding up the building and they are interlinked in many ways, if there's a weakness somewhere, it's going to show up and it's going to cause a problem along the way. It's going to start sagging that building. So part of what we've got to do is recognize which of those pillars might be a little saggy for us, might be a little weak, where we might need to strengthen it. The first step in strengthening it is recognizing where we have a a weakness. So just for a moment, I want you to think, which of these are your places of weakness? Maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's three, four, five, maybe even six, but all of them have a place for being strengthened. So number one, do you find yourself uh, not living consciously? So are you weak at living in the present moment? Are you weak at getting away from the places of the past and, and keep from moving into places in the future? Do you live in this present moment? Is that your weakness? Number two, is your weakness self-acceptance? That you struggle 
to forgive yourself, to, you struggle to move forward on the mistakes from the past, that you struggle with being able to accept who you are and where you've been and where you want to go. We'll talk a little bit more about self-forgiveness in our next episode. Or maybe your, your pillar, the third pillar is the weakness place for you, your self-responsibility, that you fail to recognize that it's up to you to take action that you can't make other people responsible for your happiness, that part of your struggle is to assume responsibility for yourself. Or maybe your weak pillar is self-assertiveness, that you know what you want, but you don't tell people what you want. So many people around us know exactly what they want and need, but they don't voice it. They're waiting for somebody else to read their mind. And the problem is most people don't do a good job of reading the mind. They don't know what somebody else needs and wants unless the person makes that claim. So maybe your weak place is that you don't do that well. And you need to work on being more assertive with with what you, you need in life. Or maybe your struggle is about living purposefully. That you're not clear about where you want to get to. The purpose of your life gets lost. The goals aren't there for you that pull you ahead. Or maybe the goals that you have aren't exciting you enough to pull you ahead. So you begin to work on finding better goals for yourself and better places of living out your purpose in the world. Or maybe your place is that personal integrity is not quite where it needs to be. You need to raise your standards of who you expect yourself to be, how you move into the world. So now you know the six pieces, and your question is, where are you weak? Because once you know where you're weak, it's kind of like if you have an exercise program and you go, you know what, my my core is a little bit weak, so I'm going to do some core exercises. You know, my biceps are a little bit weak, so I'm going to strengthen those biceps. And at the same time, you don't stop doing the other pieces. You know, if I realize that my arms are weak, I don't stop exercising my legs. That's not how I find the balance by bringing everything back to a a base level of weakness or even letting another area go while I'm working on something, but I find a balance point between them. So once you know your area of weakness, you can begin to shore it up. You can begin to work to build it to make it a stronger pillar. My challenge to you is once you've identified one of those pillars that's weaker for you, go ahead and choose three ways to change that pillar. Find three ways of strengthening that pillar so that you have more strength to it. You add, it's not that you're getting rid of the areas, that you're building into that area. And in that way, you naturally build in your own place of self-esteem and along the way, build yourself to a better, more thriving life. This is Lee Balkum wishing you your thriving life. listening to the Thriveology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thriveology.com or at thriveologymagazine.com. Remember that Thriveology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.